Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Do you like talking about joy? I do. Do you like talking about fulfillment? I do. I've got somebody that's going to talk about those things and so much more. And what a joy it is to have transformational career coach, international best-selling author. Listen, it's not often we get international best-selling authors here. So I'm excited about this one. You can find her on LinkedIn. You can find her in different places. And we'll tell you later on all the different places that you can find my incredible guest. Her name is Dr. Marie Nalini Garv. And she joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And a little side note, I have been working on the correct pronunciation of her first name for, for a, quite a few minutes now. And so I, I was glad when she nodded in approval, I was like, load removed. So, so welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, thank you, Brian. I'm uh, I'm excited to speak with you, and uh, it's just it's just fun to be here. Thank you for having me, Miralani. Let's start here for just a quick second. Everyone has had different experiences around the last couple of years, and 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 I've started just about every podcast asking these questions because I live in West Virginia. I I. I, my family and I had a, a completely different experience around the pandemic, you know, the initial part of it. And, and as we've moved through it and again, um, fingers crossed, it looks like we're, we're on the, we're, we're getting out of the other side of this, but I want to know what your experience has been the last couple of years around this pandemic. Maybe what lesson have you learned? through the last couple of years that you'll take with you after this pandemic is over? That's a great question, Brian. Uh, before I dive into that, I want to say something. So you live in West Virginia. That's amazing because I grew up listening to uh, Take Me Home Country Roads, <laughs> that song. And uh, yes. when I was in India, I, I did not even dream about coming to the US, but uh, here I am. I've been here for 20 years now, and I did uh, take so a So you listen to, to Almost Virginia. Heaven, West Virginia in India? 
Yes, I did. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, John Denver translates. Yes, John Denver translates globally. So yes, that is yes. so neat. So okay. So before we go to that question, I, now, now you've just sparked some curiosity <laughs> in another way. What, what what did you did you have a preconceived idea? Did that song help you have a preconceived idea of what America might be, or did you just say? What's this West Virginia place they keep talking about? <laughs> I mean, what I mean, and that is so neat that that you listened to that song all those years ago before stepping foot on American soil. Yes. So I, I did not have any preconceived ideas, uh, but uh, I just thought the song is so catchy, so beautiful, and it kind of had that uh, magnetism in it and i wanted to explore what west virginia is and i did drive down and even camped in west, west virginia and guess what song was playing in loop <laughs> almost heaven west virginia That's, yes and i loved i loved uh, living this so beautiful west virginia is so beautiful so naturesque uh, it, it was just amazing um, well, what the song it, didn't capture were the, were the cars up on cinder blocks and and the 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 double wide trailers that that line you know <laughs> four wheelers in the front yard you know ones that run and ones that don't you know so so it yeah it would have to be a very long song if I had to capture everything. well yeah you know they they left out the leave your shoes at the border you know that stuff things like that so <laughs> you know. Miralani, I'm telling you, it, it, you, you, you just that there is an unspoken part of that song that is West Virginia. It's just in different ways. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it, it, and I want to jump back to 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 what I asked you a minute ago because again, yes. um, you're you know everyone's experience is so different around the pandemic and 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 how you know how they they you know how how you dealt with things, you know, personally, professionally, things like that. Um, what is that? And again, I'll, I'll rephrase that question. And I'm glad we took that diversion. So thank you for, for taking us there. But what was, what were a couple of things that you learned and some lessons you learned that you're going to carry on past the pandemic? Yeah. So I'm a career coach and I work with uh, South Asian women exclusively. I, I'm the only a career coach in the US who works exclusively with South Asian professional women. With the pandemic, you know, the first thing that impacted was people's work lives. Suddenly they had to figure out, oh, now I'm going to work from home. I have to now take care of my children. I have to manage so many things. So it was a new learning from all of them. The positive aspect of the pandemic was that everybody got some time. I mean, for some people, it was great. Some people hated it, but a lot of people took advantage of that time to go inwards, to reflect, to really think about what they're going, what they're doing with their lives. Mm -hmm. And as a result, a lot of them started questioning where their career is taking them. So professionally, the last two years were great for me because a lot of people were coming to me because they wanted to really upgrade their careers, change their careers, wanted to find out their purpose. So professionally, it was great. Personally, it also gave me time to really 
figure out how to best help these women because my hope and mission with my offer is to help other women just like me who speak like me resonate with me who have suffered being underpaid passed over for promotions and never saying anything because of the culture and the way we were raised which is to accept anything we were given and be grateful for that you know there i want to go there for just a minute you 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 gave us something very interesting there and that is so it's really insightful that thought that you just gave us around the culture around your culture of just accepting what happens that in a lot of ways is so counterintuitive to the way Americans think nowadays it is challenge everything challenge except you know be a disruptor it, you, you you're considered cool in business if you're a disruptor and, and th there is a part there's a part of of us no, no matter man woman whatever 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 ethnicity you are whatever race you 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 belong to there is a part of us i believe that has to go back to that accepting things that happen because here's why i say that morality that's why i say it is because a lot of times it can be so unnerving um it can be so emotionally disruptive when something negative happens to us instead of us taking that acceptance and saying, you know what? There must be a greater purpose to this. There must be something else. I, I love what you said there. You just really, I think you really hit on something. And maybe you weren't intentional about it going in that direction. But let's go there for a minute. How important has it been in your life those times when something negative like that happened? that acceptance was okay to do in that moment. I, I hope I'm making sense with that because I think you just gave us something really powerful and understanding that there are times that we need to accept instead of disrupt. Honestly, Brian, I think given the way women are raised in South Asia, they are not empowered. I mean, we, we have felt we didn't have a voice. We didn't know that we were allowed to have a voice. You know, they would tell us, you know, especially if you are a woman, who to marry? And it has to be a man. And if you do love a woman or another man, they don't hear you, they don't see you. And the next thing you know is that you got into an arranged marriage with a man and uh, not only that they also tell you how what to study what job to take how to live your life and uh, i was in that similar position but the thing is that because we were so suppressed if there are challenges even if we want to use our voice we keep quiet and that is unhealthy because right. in professional life or in personal life if you are mistreated, if you're not 
given the recognition, the credit that you deserve, you got to speak up. You cannot be complacent. So for a long time, personally, I have been very complacent. I've been very quiet. I've been silent. I did not ruffle any feathers because I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I did not want to step on other people's toes, but I was unhappy inside. I was unfulfilled because, you know, outwardly, everybody looked at my life and they said, you know, I'm so well put together. I'm the first in my family to become a doctor. I'm the first in the family to come to the US. I'm the first in the family to change my career multiple times. And now I have a successful business. So outwardly, everything looked great. Right? When I was working in all these amazing world renowned organizations, it all looked great until I paused and I asked myself, well, <laughs> if I am doing all these amazing things, living the dream, why am I not happy? And that's when I realized that I'm living someone else's dream, not my own dream. That is, that is so profound because there's a couple of things I was thinking as you were, as you were talking about that. The first thing I was thinking was there are probably some people that are listening that go, that would say to that, I would love to have someone plan out my life for me. I would have loved to have had a structure and a discipline in, in some ways in my life. I would have loved to have had some of those things like you need to go down this path and do this and do that because I felt like at times that, that I took a very crooked path to get where I got to. And so there's a part of me that would have liked that, that discipline and structure. But I also think too, there's something profound that you said as well. People on the outside see Sorry, what so is, you know, people on the outside see what they want to see or what, what, what can, what, what they look like. And they say, oh, I wish I had that person's life, or I wish I had this, or I wish I had that. You know, we think about celebrity, morality, and, and, and we think about that. And you say, oh, it would be so nice to be famous, to be rich, to be this or that. Until you study the life of a celebrity and you go, well, you and I have more freedom to walk down the street than they do. And so I think that that you, you just hit on something. But here's where I want to go with what you said, and it was great. It took me a long time to really listen in to my wife's voice as far as her perceptiveness, her sensibility, because I, I trusted her on some things, but on other things, I was kind of like, ah, I'm, you know, it took me a long time to figure out my wife probably knew more things, about, knew more about a lot more things than I gave her credit for. When you talked about finding your voice, you talked about having a successful business and becoming a doctor and things like that. When did you first realize the power of your own voice and the impact that it could have on people? Maybe we're jumping ahead in your story, but this is great. This is wonderful, organic conversation. I love where we're going here. But when did you first discover your unique voice in your own life and its impact on other people? That's a very good question. Um, you know, first I had to, I mean, my voice, 
I had to first see and listen to my voice completely disappear before I could hear my own voice. So, and I mentioned this in my uh, book as well, uh, which I've co-authored with other 19 amazing women. But there was one day when I came back from work and I was so exhausted that I had to lay in bed and I could not get up. I was so exhausted and I was literally scared what is happening to me because I had never felt that kind of exhaustion in my life. And then, you know, it led to a lot of trips to the doctors, you know, then they're diagnosing something, then they're refuting it, then diagnosing something. And they gave me a, a diagnosis of Sjogren's, uh, Sjogren's syndrome, which is an autoimmune disorder. And basically they told me that, you know what, your life is going to be just going to go downward from here onwards. And I was scared because I wasn't ready to give up. I was ready to live. I wanted to live more. I want to live more. And it just scared me. But then I realized that's when I actually started listening to my inner voice, which was saying, this is not it. There is more to life. And this incident is a reminder for you to start thinking about your life differently, start doing something that truly gives you joy. And that's when, you know, I went to flashback and looked at the whole life. And I realized that if I am feeling this way with, you know, amazing qualifications, working in amazing organizations and not feeling fulfilled, I can't be the only one. So what if I find a way to help women like me? who have all those amazing qualifications, who have that expertise and experience, but they don't have a voice. They are not fulfilled in their career. They are just going about their lives, feeling miserable, not being able to be the role model that they want to be for their children, uh, using their spouses as their supportive career counselors, <laughs> and really not allowing the husband-wife relationship to completely develop because they are constantly anxious and stressed out and worried and overworked and do not have the time and the husband has to pick up you know and give them advice do this do that but the women did not feel that they can actually make that change and I was there I was there myself and that that's what led me to really start my business to find that fulfillment myself and teach other women to feel fulfilled and have that joy that has been eluding, eluding them for years. And once I started doing that, then I heard my voice loud and clear and I felt, yes, that's my mission. This is my calling and this is why I do what I do. So I it took that. me a long, tortuous road <laughs> to find out what I really want to do and I help cut that time for women so that they are not wasting their time trying to figure out. <laughs> I love that. That is so good. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, I want to park on something that you said just a minute ago and take this conversation a little bit deeper because I, I think there's a, an emotion that that people, not just women, but people have to unlock when they feel their voice is suppressed. And we're going to talk about that 
in just a moment. My guest is author, transformational coach, Dr. Miralini Garth, and she joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. You come back here in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car. Whatever it is you want to do, financially in the coming year. Let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done take this full time as well go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash l backslash premium pfp and oh by the way this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement and you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Miralini, you you said something there a minute ago before we went to break. And, we, and we've been talking about it the last few minutes. And, and, I, and I think sometimes suppressing our voices can be, an inter, can be a, a universal thing for all people. We want to say something to our boss, but there's fear of, and that's the emotion that I wanted to tap into. There's a fear of repercussion. We want to say something to our spouse, but there's a fear of rejection. We want to say something to our parents, but there's a fear of scorn and scolding. When you talk about unlocking your voice and, and really listening to your voice, because you mentioned a few minutes ago in your culture, life is planned for you. You, you, you are, this is who you're going to marry. This is what you're going to do. You're, you're a female, so you can't have a voice in this. And, and I would think that, that there is real fear there. So how do you help other people? And what did you have to do yourself to push past the fear of speaking up? You're so good at this, Brian. <laughs> you ask just amazing questions. Well, I'll tell you something. I'll, I'll be very transparent and I haven't, I haven't really, I, I don't think I've really talked about this. I, I mean, this is, we've recorded nearly 220 episodes of this podcast. So I've done a lot of, of interviews. I'm writing things down that you say, and I'm picking up things that you're saying. And it just pings in my brain that, that there is something that you're saying that probably, and I, and I told you before we started recording and, and I'll say this to the, to the audience as well. I feel like there's an invisible chair next to me. 
And there's you, that that listener, that's tapping me on the shoulder and saying, ask this. So that's why I wanted to ask those questions. But you're talking about universal things. I know the people that you help are South Asian women, and that, and but but a lot of the things that you cover with them are universal topics. Like I like myself, I have been in those situations where I've been afraid to talk to my wife about something because I didn't know how she would take it. I've been afraid to talk to my parents about something, you know, when, when my dad was alive, I was afraid of how they'd take it. You know, there, I think there's a fear sometimes of having difficult conversations. I can imagine though, and trying to put myself in your shoes, is that it's especially difficult when, when all the time, from the time you were a child, your voice has been suppressed. And, and, and so I, I would imagine it, it's almost like a pressurized situation. There's, you know, and, and I would, I would equate it to a, a, a bottle of soda pop. You shake that up and shake that up and that pressure builds. And, and once you take the cap off, everything just spews out. And so how do you get your clients past the fear of when they speak up and when they find their voice, it's going to come out in volumes, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the number one thing that I help them accept is that there's a problem because unless and until we accept that there's a problem, we are not going to do anything about it. So understanding the cost of not speaking up because women do not speak up. They compensate that by overworking, thinking that my work will do the work of proving myself. I'll take on more projects. I'll do more things. I'll take on more responsibilities and my boss will recognize me. And it doesn't happen that way. What ends up happening is that now they're working 70, 80 hours a week and for the extra 20, 30 hours that they're working. Can I jump in here? Free work. <laughs> Can I jump in here? Yeah. I don't think it's, it's a career only kind of problem that you're addressing because I think, I think if guys like myself were honest and transparent, and I'm going to be transparent in this conversation, it took me a long time to value my wife in the way I needed to value my wife. I loved her. I would, I would die for her. I'd take a bullet for her. But there's a different level in a sense when you really understand the value of your spouse and the value of what they bring to the relationship. And, and when you were talking about overworking to prove yourself or taking on more things to prove yourself, the first word that jumped to my mind, Moralini, is value. Is that person does not feel valued. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like that. They feel like their value is, is in what they produce, not who they are. So let me pivot and ask this question this way. How do you build that value in people that haven't felt value in a very long time, if ever, because of the way they grew up, kind of like what you mentioned. And forgive me for continuing to go back to that. That is a resonating point 
with me through this conversation, and folks, I hope it's been a resonating point with you as well, is the cultures that still exist on, on our planet that, that revolve around this suppression of value for certain people. And, and, and again, as you're working with these women, how do you, how do you give them or how do you help them find value they've probably never found or felt in their lives? Yeah. So like I said, the first thing is you have to accept that there's a problem, whatever situation you are in, whether it's your personal situation or a professional situation, you got to admit to yourself that I can't speak up. I cannot be honest with my spouse. I cannot be honest with my boss, with my colleagues, because I have gotten into this habit of living in fear and pleasing others and taking care of what others would feel and whether they will like me or not. Because ultimately every single human being on this planet wants to be seen, heard and valued. I think that's any person who feels that has had success in life. So the first thing is, you know, you have to understand there's a problem. The second thing is you have to get to the root cause of why that problem is. So if you have been living in a culture where you're suppressed, you got to understand where all that fear is coming from. And then I help them with strategies to overcome that fear and the strategies that I use, you know, they are not, you know, fake it till you make it, you know, like, oh, just you improve or change the tone of your voice, just improve your posture. And those are all good things, but that does not address the root cause. That's just adding a bandaid to a deep gaping wound. So I really help them understand the connection of where it all started. So well, those things, yeah, those things you mentioned are all superficial, trivialized responses. It, it's, um, and, and I remember, and, and you mentioned that, I remember when I was a, a kid, my, my dad believed in spanking. Whether you agree with that or not, whether, whether you, the audience, agree with that or not, it's the way I was raised. Didn't affect me one bit. I turned out to be a, a normal, well-adjusted person man so but my dad believed in spanking and my dad would say to me afterwards oh, he would sorry. say he would say dry it up don't cry you know move on and i was i was like but you know my the the child in me was like but dad come on you know i it hurt i you spanked me and it hurt my it not only hurt me emotionally but it hurt me you know, he and he wasn't abusive. I'm not saying that. But when you get a couple swats across the bottom, it stings a little bit. And it's like, well, it stings. And when my dad passed away when I was 40, I still felt that my dad was like, dry it up. And I'm like, but dad, I can't. I miss you too bad. What am I going to do? And I love what you said there about trivializing well just you know if you if you do something to your posture or if you just make this small change like like patting them on the back and going they're there it's okay you know i know you have real deep hurt but it's okay you just you just need to move on 
with it. Just just move on. Just move along with it. Why do you think people are so reticent? Why do you think other people let me let me ask it this way. Why do we fail to take responsibility when we when we personally have caused hurt in other people? So if I manage if I was that manager of that woman that you're coaching and I didn't do a very good job of valuing her and I was trying, why, why, what is the failure of leadership in a lot of cases that you've seen that causes people to, to, to trivialize real, deep, impactful, hurtful situations? How much time do we have, Brian? <laughs> We've got. That's a great question. That is a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Moralni, we've got all the time that you want to, to I'm serious. We we have all because it's such an you bring such an important issue and forgive me for continuing to talk here. But you bring such a a a this is really unique needful conversation. And I don't feel like we're having it enough. And I'm grateful that we're having this conversation. And I hope that, that, that people that will listen to it will understand this is a problem in our society that we're trivializing too many things of how people are really feeling and what they're dealing with and not speaking up and saying, and I'm not saying go, go, you know, light torches and go stand in the street and cause difficulty. I'm not saying that. But there's a breaking point where you just feel like if I don't get this, if I don't release what I'm feeling inside of me, it's not only going to hurt me, I may do something that I'm going to regret. And I don't want to take that extreme, but... But yeah, I want go with whatever you're, you're feeling right now in this conversation and, and, and address what you want to address about it. I, I've talked way too much, but again, this is such important, powerful conversation that I just wanted to add a little more color around it. Yeah. You know, if we think about a manager or uh, a manager and employee, you know, there's that um, conventional thing, right? Manager is up here and employees here. So we live by that convention. And if you already have lost your voice, then that distance become even higher, right? You feel you're yeah. much lower. But the key is that even if they are their manager, they are your manager, you're human beings. You're it, still at the same level. Right. And for women you've coached, they've always lived with that disadvantage, right? They've always yes. lived with that, that, you know, and I'll use a sports analogy. They're playing from three touchdowns behind already. You know, you mentioned the the disparity, and if you're watching on YouTube, the the you know my hands are a, a certain distance apart. Um, for those not list or watching on YouTube and listening audio, I put my hands apart a certain distance. But the women you're coaching are already playing at a disadvantage there already. They are, and then when they come to a new country then there are prejudices around that right oh she is brown oh she is a woman oh she has an accent she speaks differently so again if you 
already have been suppressed and then you are discriminated, you feel even lower. So, yes. the, but, but the problem here is that, right? We are all human beings in the first place. Every single human being wants to feel loved, wants to feel seen and heard and wants to be happy. I mean, that's every human being's aspiration, really. If, if you ask me what success is, that is success. But the problem is that nobody talks about leadership and childhood wounding in the same sentence, right? So right. you mentioned, you know, you were spanked by your father. I was beaten by my mother and it was, it was violent. But what we do not understand is that in the first five years of our life, how we were treated decides how we are going to be as an adult. So in the very beginning, you know, if you were abused, you know, and it could be any kind of abuse. If you have been told that, or, or if you're beaten, the one thing, you know, one takeaway that a child has, of course, you know, they don't have the prefrontal cortex to analyze, oh, beating is not right. My parents should not do that. We don't have the prefrontal cortex when, the, when we are that young, but the assumptions, the conclusions we made from those actions is that I must be so bad that my parent has to take that severe action. Well, Miralani, we we don't have the capacity at that stage of life to understand what responsibility is for our own actions. And so therefore someone else has to impart responsibility for us and say, listen, you did something wrong there are consequences to your actions. We, we might know the difference between right and wrong. We might've said, yeah, I pulled my sister's hair. Yeah. And I, and I, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I liked it, you know, or she was, she was doing something. I pulled her hair. I, or I shoved her or something like that. We know what we did wrong, but we don't have any concept that young of responsibility. So someone has to impart responsibility. But beating and, is not the option. Right. Sporting yeah, is not the option. Right. Again, and, and again, there, there's all kinds of, my, my, my dad didn't beat me. I, I look back and, and again, my experience with my, my parents were, were very different than a lot of people's. And I understand that. And so that's why I've tried to be very careful because I understand um, my wife disciplined our son when he was little because I was big. I was big. I was a lot bigger than I am now. And my wife's like, you're going to hurt him. She's like, you're going to, you, you are physically that much bigger than he is. Not anymore. My son's about two inches shorter than I am. So it's, you know, it's a little more of a fair fight now. And I'm to the age that I'd probably break a hip <laughs> if something like that happened. So, but what I'm saying is, is that you're right. When we're that young, we don't know what responsibility is. And so we're just going, well, doggone, you know, all I did was pull my sister's hair. Or all I did was, you know, mean things that some kids do and things like that. But you're right. It does shape how we, how we view life. And we, and I've had folks on this podcast that were abused, sexually abused, physically abused, and it affected the rest of their lives. I've got to ask this before we get to a break and tell your story. And I thank you for bringing this conversation to us. This has been 
Wow. Incredible, powerful conversation. How do leaders, how can leaders, and I want to speak to the leaders for a minute. Morality, how can leaders start lifting up these people that you work with, that you coach, and lift them up and say, listen, you're valuable. You you matter. What do we need to start doing in society to lift up these disadvantaged and discouraged people and help them find their voice? I'll get into that question just to complete the loop um, on what I was saying before. You know, we have to really question our parenting style because, you know, if we are spanking somebody, spanking our child for beating someone else, what message are we giving them? Good point. If you are shouting and telling your child, don't shout, what message are they getting? Because children don't hear words. They look at actions. They learn from actions. So we have to really, really question our parenting styles. And there are ways where you can parent, you can still discipline without hurting the child's self-esteem and confidence. Now, coming to your question about what can leaders do? Well, leaders have to look at their own history because we are all a product of our childhood. How our childhood was is going to mold us as adults. So it's not that, you know, these are just disadvantaged. I think the leaders could actually be exploiting because they had their own childhood experience, childhood wounding. Mm-hmm. So they, leaders must self-reflect. That's number one thing. Number two, leaders have to be honest and understand some cultural nuances. So for example, if someone is working hard, you know, the boss should take responsibility and say that you've been working hard on this project. You get the recognition. You get to present it in front of leaders. You deserve that promotion. You deserve that raise. But what ends up happening is that leaders who do not do the self-respect, self, uh, uh, self-reflection, they start taking advantage and they say, oh, you know, this person, why well, she's my workhorse, right? Let me dump more work on her. She yeah. creates amazing reports and presentations and I'm going to present it in the leadership meeting. And all they do is they just do lip service. Oh, you are such an important part of my team. What would I do without you? You should have been this and that, but that's not recognition. That's, those are just empty praises. So leaders, when they are aware and really looking at, you know, who is doing the work, who is producing, giving them opportunities to present their hard work, giving them opportunities to, uh, uh, you know, take on leadership roles. What happens is that if leaders are not self-aware, they start dismissing the hard workers as someone who is submissive, weak, you know, someone who puts their head down and does the work. And in their mind, they do not see them as leaders, but all they want 
are opportunities you know women are looking for opportunities to shine because they've been suppressed for a long time yeah. so as a leader as a boss it is their responsibility to really see really be honest really see who is actually doing the work and helping them encourage by giving them more and better opportunities and not exploiting them well there's a vast difference between appreciation and value we yes. we have we have taken appreciation and we say well i'm going to give them a day off or i'm going to give them a token something small something like that instead of pulling them close if if in an office setting or even in a virtual setting and saying look i value you and here's why we don't tell people why a lot of times we don't say to people, this is why specifically you matter to this team. Here are where your talents lie. Here's where your abilities lie. And this is why it, it is valuable to this team. And without you, here would be the deficiencies of this team. And so I love the way you guided us there, Moralini. I love that, the way you, you guided us there. I would be remiss. We got to step aside, take a very quick break. But when we come back, I want to tell Miralini's story of how, you know, I mean, you alluded to it a moment ago, a, a little while ago, growing up in a different culture and not having your voice heard and what happened to you with extreme exhaustion. We'll get to that. Come back with this powerful, important conversation. You come back here on the Intentional Encourager podcast in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Have you ever wanted to live a bucket list life? Or if you're a business owner, have you ever wanted to incentivize your team in unbelievable ways? I have got just the thing for you. You need to contact my friend, Brad Norwood with Dream It Pro Professional Events. Brad's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I can tell you he has helped numerous companies achieve unbelievable things through experience travel. Experiences are what people want. They want to know how they can live incredible bucket list lives as well, too. And Brad can help you with both of those things. I can't give you any better encouragement than to give Brad and his team a call right now at 479-466-6907 or go to www.dreamitpro.com. And when you get there, click on events and you are going to see some unbelievable once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And I promise you this, unlike plaques, awards, trophies, things like that, experiences, and trips like these don't burn up in a fire. Again, go to www.dreamitpro.com today. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Moralini, let's get to your story. And again, I want to give you room to, to tell it. Um, I will try my best not to interrupt you, but, um, <laughs> no, you're doing good. You're no promises, no <laughs> promises, but please share with us your, your story. So 
I told you, you know, I came back home uh, feeling exhausted and my inner voice was telling me, this is not it. I'm not here to die so soon. And uh, that when I heard to my voice, my soul, that's when I started exploring, well, you know, the conventional doctors and I'm a doctor, right? I, <laughs> I respect doctors and, uh, but I also believe that even as doctors, we don't have the evidence, we don't have the proof for everything and we don't have the answers for everything. So I reached out to um, uh, an herbal doctor, uh, he lives in India, amazing, amazing person. He has gotten the India's highest award that you can get for the work that he does. I reached out to him and um, you know, he gave me some supplements, told me about some lifestyle changes and it's gone, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> So unless and until, you know, we listen to our voice and hear what it's trying to tell us, this is not it, right? You, you feel that you are underpaid and your soul is telling you that you deserve more. We got to listen to that voice. Now, if you don't know how to negotiate the salary, how to speak up, there are a lot of resources out there, you know, you can use them, but the most successful people are the ones who have always taken help. So I feel that I wasted a lot of time figuring this out on my own, but everybody who are listening to their inner voice and who want to do more and better and become the best version of themselves. And if they want to do it faster, then they must get help, work with coaches, mentors, get help because doing it all on your own is lonely it's long you're you waste a lot of time trialing and erroring and you don't get there so you don't have to do this alone but the key here is to listen when you feel you're underpaid when you feel you're exploited when you feel you're not where you meant to be that is your soul guiding you that you deserve more when you you, you said a little while ago that you you just you lied down you were so exhausted you couldn't get up was when when you did finally come to yourself were you were you fearful at the episode that you just had and the and the causes of it was it a situation because their time in you know a, a couple of weeks ago I got home on a Friday. I, I was I was home on a Friday evening. And I just I was really sleepy, tired, and I fell asleep on the couch for a couple of hours, and then you know stayed up for a little bit and then went to bed. And I, and I was fine, but you know again, that I, I just I was like, okay, I've had a long week. I had some jet, maybe some jet lag, something like that. When you woke up. What were you thinking internally? Were you like, there's something really wrong with me? Did you just kind of brush it off? Like, okay, I'm, I must have had a long week or a long couple of weeks. What was that moment like when you said something's not quite right here and I don't know what it is? Well, number one, I never experienced that kind of exhaustion because I know tiredness. I know fatigue. I have felt that after, you know, a long week or... Uh, if I have done something strenuous, I, I know the normal tiredness. This was, I couldn't move my hand. I couldn't move my feet. I couldn't get out of the bed. 
I, it shook me. I was scared. I was scared. I didn't know what was going on with my body. And then I had, you know, fleeting joint pains and doctors were not able to figure out what it was. And ultimately somebody said that that's what it was. Um, and yeah, it scared me. And I, I found a support group. Uh, I used to live in Columbus, Ohio at that time. And I found a support group and I will tell you when I left that group, I was deflated. It just felt that everybody had given up on themselves. And I just felt I am not the kind of person who gives up on things. I mean, I left my home country to come to the US, not to come so far, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I've been working at these great organizations doing such good things. I, I, I realized that I am a fighter. I mean, I knew I'm a fighter. And going to that support group actually inspired me to not give up on myself, to be that fighter. I, I didn't know the answers then. And I will tell you, I cried. I cried a lot because I was feeling helpless and powerless. But at some point I made a decision There there must be a better way. Wow. And my, my wife supported me at that time uh, quite a bit. She was there for me. Uh, and you know, we together, we figured it out, but I had to believe in myself that this is not the end of it. And that was the spark that led me to transform my life. And that's what I teach now. Uh, you know, the women that I work with, I transform their lives, help transform their lives. This has been incredibly good conversation and I thank you for it, but I, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Can you share that, that with that, that biggest piece of intentional encouragement, share that with me. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't follow the question. No, I'm no, sorry. no, it's, it, no, it's, <laughs> it's probably the way that I asked it, the way that I asked it. I know. I just would ask you to share your biggest piece of intentional encouragement with, with this audience, because you just said there must be a better way. Mm -hmm. If someone is feeling like there's got to be a better way. Yeah. How do you intentionally encourage them? Yeah. Okay. I got it now. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So listening to your inner voice takes practice that requires a little bit of calmness, a little bit of pausing, even if it's five minutes every single day and allowing, you know, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in universe, whether you believe in a higher power, whatever it is, just allow that higher power to guide you. And even if you are atheist, you know, I've gone through this agnostic, atheist, faith, all, all of those phases. What I have realized is life is bigger than what I know. And I have learned to surrender. So allowing the higher power to guide you what your purpose is, is the most important thing. And that can lead you to take the next action. But if, if you just keep going on with your life, you will never find out what you were meant to do. Yeah, that, that's, that's outstanding. Yeah. Let 
allow guidance to come into your life. That's a great, yes. that's such a great thing. Moralini, let folks know how they can connect with you, find your resources, things like that. Maybe they want to find out more about maybe how they can work with you themselves. Absolutely. So your audience, your listeners can go to www.unshackledcareerwoman.com. That's my website. They can find me on Instagram. The handle is Unshackled Career Woman. You can also find me on LinkedIn with my name, Mrinalini Garf. Or just shoot me an email at drm at drmgarf.com. Dr. M at Dr. M Garv dot com. That's G A R V and unshackled career woman on Instagram and careerwoman.com. Moralini Garv, thank you so much for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Have really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much, Brian. I had, I had a blast. So thank you for having me and thank you for doing what you do. It is just so amazing. I listened to some of your podcast and so inspiring. So keep doing the good work. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on the Intentional Encourage podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.